Welcome to Shine Me A Light Podcasts. In this series, the last 27 years, we go through the last 27 years in one class of 95 Sydney Girls High School student. And this episode is Vanessa Curtis. Mental, a bit like hectic and crazy life. And I feel like the last three years specifically are just... A bit of a blur and so much has been going on and COVID yeah. and crap that I'm I'm exhausted personally. I've I've reached a tether, I'm like at breaking point. <laughs> so yeah. I'm I'm doing for the first time in my life a countdown to the end of the year where I've never wanted to want to get to the end of the year and have a break as much as I do right now. Because I've missed out I, on I just, so many holidays. I, I want this year over. <laughs> This has been probably the roughest year of my life. But I don't have any true beliefs that next year is going to be easier. (laughs) That's it. That's it. I know exactly what you mean. (laughs) I I think um, this year's this year's been a big year. It's been there's been a lot of changes in my life this year. Um, But last year, twenty twenty one, was horrid. Like I, I think the whole COVID thing. We survived because I was in Melbourne all through all the really horrid COVID parts and oh, so with all the bad lockdowns, all of that kind of stuff. Lockdown. So so all through 2020 we kind of were like, okay, we're not sure exactly what's happening. We're just kind of hoping that it'll all be okay. Had my first wedding anniversary right after oh. COVID had started so we couldn't celebrate. You know, it was really they weren't doing any of those beautiful meals at home type thing just yet. Like it was too early in the game. And then by the time we got to the end of that year, it was just kind of like, okay, we're finally getting some freedom. And so we kind of made it through 2020 okay, but then 2021, I don't know, because for me work has also just increased over the last few years dramatically as well and Mm -hmm. that um, I think that the number of lockdowns in 2021 and the uncertainty of not knowing when things were going to ease made it that much harder. And even though we yeah. knew what was kind of what to do, it just it was just more miserable. It just so. got annoying in the end. It just kind of got annoying, I think, for me. Like, and all the stupid rules, like oh. pubs are reopening, and you cannot wear not wear a mask if you're drinking a beer. But if you do, like, it just it started to just become retarded. And I started thinking, like, this yeah. isn't protecting anyone anyway. It's just rules all over the place. Just it's COVID only exists when you're standing up. If you're sitting down, you can take your mask yeah. off. And it's like, oh, you know. Anyway, I think that's what it was yeah. for me. And it just, and then this year, I think there was expectations that this year would yeah. be better. Better. So I yep. think expectations always set you up. <laughs> like, <I'm just laughs> yes. So true. <laughs> have no expectations that next year will be any better because this year it's just been shite. And I'm not planning just, ahead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I really, I just, I look forward to yoga this evening. How about that? Oh, <laughs> that's that good. Yeah. Oh, we've got the sun out today, so I'm like, great, I'm going to take the dog for a walk after my calls this afternoon and yep. get outside, get the fresh air in because we're in the countryside now, you know. Oh, wow. um, we get to go walking and if I go up the, just up the road, a couple of streets, then I've hit the end of town <laughs> and, uh, the, and like, the back of town. <laughs> and then well, we've got a beautiful rail trail to walk and that's where you see oh, like just the, the mountains and you see the... Um, the kangaroos just kind of hanging on the side and it's just it's just lovely so that's lovely. 
Because I, yeah. when when I was a teenager, when at the end of year seven, my parents moved far out from the school. Because you were like Picton yeah, I had a way, weren't you? Five hour round trip to <laughs> go stupid. to school. It was just ridiculous. Um, and where we lived, it was not even a, like a tarmac road. It was a dirt road when we moved in, but the speed limit was a hundred. And so, and there was no pavement, no nothing. So if you wanted to get from my house to the local shop, it was five kilometers and you were literally jumping into the ditch when a car came by to not get killed, you know? So it was just. Oh my gosh. Sh- yes. So that's yep. the idea of going back to the countryside brings up <laughs> to me. I'm like, <laughs> so when I hear people are like got lovely walks where there's no cars about to kill them, I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's the way it's supposed to be. Not grabbing your dog and trying to live every time a car drives by. That's but anyway. <laughs> All right, so we'll center ourselves. <sighs> yes. Far out. Deep breaths. Yes. <sighs> when you think back. 1990 to 95 what comes to mind <laughs> <laughs> oh geez um I honestly I I really did not like the high school years I found them really hard I found there was so much change you know all the hormones that go on there's bitchiness there's the boys at the boys school there was I always had like the big boobs. So it was always a big thing with um, constantly, you know, the, the, from the guy's perspective, all they could do was look at my chest. They could never look me in the eye. It was no, getting teased for having big yeah. boobs. And and I just I just always, I, when I got a bit older, like when I got to about 16, I used them to my advantage. Like, you know. Once that was, you can you know, own it. Yeah, yeah. When you can own it. No, yeah, I, look, I you... haven't spoken about that with anyone else. That's an interesting thing. When I was 13, I went from like an A to a D in about three months. Mm-hmm. And I walked around like this, you know, with my hair down and my arms over my chest for the That's rest it. of my teen years, you know, mm-hmm. until I got to like 17, you know. And I think it's a, yeah, and that's something I, no, one, no one else has discussed that, but that sudden hit of your body changing, oh, is, just, it was horrendous for me personally. I wasn't somebody who was feeling comfortable with their body at 14. Like, with, oh, you know, well, I, all these for things. me, it hit in year six. So I was already, I was getting teased in year six because I needed to wear a bra and getting called big eyes in primary school. And what made me feel a little bit better by the time we got to year seven was that if you didn't at least have even a training bra on in year seven, it was like, what was, what's wrong with you if you don't have at least a training bra on? But the fact is, yeah, like, like you, I just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, I remember that um, by the time, yeah, I was certainly in 16 and I could, you know, had the tiny waist, but the big boobs and, you know, it, it allowed you to go buy, you know, alcohol yes. and whatnot Suddenly and you could you get it, you know. Wait a second, this isn't a curse. This can be. It can be good. But yeah. at the same time, I think, look, I think back to it and it was, high school was quite, I found it quite rough. I didn't, my parents, um, in terms of getting into Sydney High, like it was a really big deal for, for my parents because yeah. I didn't really have many other school options. We couldn't afford private school um, and the local high school wasn't, didn't have a good reputation, so so there weren't many options. Down there. <laughs> and so, um, like even when the um, the letter came through, and I think the letters were addressed to us personally, as opposed to our parents. And, they and, typed. and so I don't even remember seeing it because I happened to be at my grand grandmother's house that afternoon, as we usually were after school because my parents were always working, and my parents phoned me there. And they were so excited and they were like, oh, my God, oh, my God. I'm like, what is it? They're like, you got in. Like 
the utter surprise in their voices that I'd actually got into the school in the first place was just like, oh my goodness, she's done it. Like, I could, they, they thought I was a dumbass. Like, seriously, most of my That's life, so they've honestly thought I'm a complete dumbass. So they were super surprised and they had to open the letter without me even being there and reading it to me across the phone line. So I, you know, that was my entry into the whole Sydney High kind of landscape from the from the beginning. And I just, I guess I never felt like I really fit because the way the school teaches or taught back then, my learning style is not, um, doesn't equate to that. And, you know, it wasn't until years and years later that I worked out that I fit into that design thinking framework. And that's where I, that's how I learn. And yeah. school, well, the way we were taught school back then was very different. The one yeah. thing though, that, and I think a couple of the others have said this as well, um, it's that whole first day of year seven, Miss Shackley giving her address and telling us we can be whoever we want to be. Like dream big, go hard, don't let anything stop you. You know, you want to achieve greatness, you want to be a writer, you want to be an astronaut, you want to be an electrical engineer, you want to be bricky, like whatever you want to be, go for it. No holds barred, just you can do it. Don't let being female stop you. Don't let anything stand in your way. Yeah. And that's the one thing that I've always taken with me from, yeah. the, from the beginning of high school. Yeah. And I, I feel that that's something that we need to own and we need to share and help develop yeah. other people as yeah. well along the way. Um, and I feel yeah. that I do do that in as best a way as I can um, and have done throughout my career. But, yeah, it's one of those things that always stood out and I am grateful to have been at a school that yeah. did promote that and, yeah. you know, they they gave us the opportunity to do classes that potentially weren't offered at other schools um, in yeah. some cases. And so, yeah, I think that's sometimes what Sometimes there were classes that were only at the boys' school. I remember wanting to be an architect right. at one point and draft, like the drawing, the drafting, it was only at the boys' oh. school, but you could go over and do it if you wanted. You just had to walk across yeah. the lawn, so you could pick it as an elective. Yeah. Um, but that was too daunting for me because I was a bit afraid of boys. So I thought, no, I'll stay here. I'll just pick the electives <laughs> that are here. Um, but my that message, I, I've been working in tuition the last 10 years. Well, I was at uni, had kids. It worked for me. Mm-hmm. And I came across a lot of girls, teenagers, whose their schools gave them the complete opposite message, you know, and they were completely shut down by the presence of all these loud boys you know, and, and so they were always things like I had one student who wanted to be a lawyer and they had, a, you know, they had those moot courts things and they even yep. go to like University of New South Wales and get, you know, judged by actual barristers and stuff. Um, her school wouldn't allow her to be the barrister in the team because she's a girl. Oh, way through, and she just always wanted to be a lawyer. And my brother's oh. a barrister, so I got her work experience with my brother. Amazing. And she came back to, and with no one else, not he wasn't offering it to anyone else as a favor. You know, she went back to school and she knew how to write the notes properly and everything. And so oh. they let her do it, be the Brilliant. barrister that year, um, because she'd done that work experience. And they, for the first time ever, that high school won. And my brother was one of the judges at university. Yay! It was really cool, you know, and that was a beautiful thing. And that girl's now at uni and she's doing a double degree and feels oh, all confident. And, you know. Brilliant. And another one who wanted to be a marine biologist and her science teacher had said she was, yeah, too stupid to do and not oh. good enough at science. You can't do You can't be a scientist. You're not good enough. Mm. Like 
you shouldn't be a teacher. <laughs> yeah. Obviously yeah. you don't know. So this oh. is, that's the hard part, right? So my dad's been a teacher most of his life. Math, like, well, math teacher, science, yeah. computing. And yeah. he's very black and white in his way of thinking. It's this or it's that. It's, there's no in between. There's no gray. It's black and white. It works or it doesn't. You do it this way. You don't compromise. You don't ask questions. It's just the way it is. And I couldn't learn that way. I couldn't yeah. exist in a household where my parents kind of always had a very structured way of thinking that life had to be, of the way you have to think, the way you have to do things. I was completely out of my, out of, you know, out of that realm. That wasn't me. It wasn't yeah. who I am who and, I was or who I am for a scientist because that's how they got all the knowledge was people questioning things he's, you know what I mean. he's definitely more the mathematician in terms of following the logic and and process as opposed yeah. to so he's more so he analytical PhDs on infinity how many times you can divide infinity and how it's indefinite and <laughs> That's no, no. That's more my husband, as opposed to my 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 father, who did his PhD on the history of mathematics. So right. okay, yeah, the solid <laughs> stuff that exists. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So so yeah, existing in a household growing up where my parents didn't believe in me, but and there I'm at a school where they want you to have the opportunity to do and be whoever you want to be, but yet I still felt really out of. I don't know, just out of place. It didn't quite yeah. feel like I belonged. And so I found high school hard and, yeah. you know, I didn't do well. I got, I stressed every time we had exams and I, like get sick to the point where I'd vomit before exams. Like I was, I, I just, because I was so afraid of, of doing so badly, I just failed and bombed out anyway because I, I was that first year of uni doing science because I crazily oh. went and did maths and science at twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Had not never done it, and the first round of exams, yeah, two exams, I cried in the toilets instead of attending oh. the exam. You know, guaranteed way to fail. Um, yeah, but I just, I just never, I never did very well. But that's because I didn't do any work. <laughs> well, so it all made sense. Right? At least it made sense. But I got to that. I was, I was trying my best to learn all of physics in six months oh while doing three God. other units at uni and just feeling like this is impossible, which, but it is, um, mm-hmm. you need to study for the test in that first six months, which is tragic, but it is what it is. Um, but, you know, I sort of, I, yeah, that feeling of, uh, I'd never had that feeling before because I'd never actually tried my hardest in my life at anything. <laughs> so I never gave a shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a horrible that's feeling. Thing. It is horrible. And I, you know, I, I tried to combat it when I got to uni and, I got kind of I was able to get special compensation in a way because I did have a lot of back problems and things um so I was able to kind of sit in a smaller room get a little you have a few breaks to get up and stretch and do that kind of thing which in high school they now do which is amazing but back in the day no that wasn't part of the deal (laughs) yeah pretty much which which at the same time I'm kind of I kind of in one way lean a little bit further towards their you got to learn to suck suck things up a little bit more because I think people are a bit too soft these days. However, <laughs> that <laughs> you could go a little too far to the wrong end of the spectrum. Yeah, I think sometimes, but yeah, there are yeah. some kids with that genuine anxiety. I I, I oh, see yes. that where they really know their subject matter. They can mm-hmm. tell you about it. They know it, but they just stress under those exam conditions and they go blank and they lose it. And it sort of seems like that's the wrong way to assess them. It's Rather exactly than a it. Special room. Why don't we just have verbal assessment where we ask oh, you questions and have a conversation for those? I kids would have like loved that. 
different yeah. assessment methods would make sense to me more than but I that's like it. the adjustments for those kids because I think it makes it evens the playing field you know I agree and that and that's exactly it and that's what I mean by yeah for me that would have worked like I just needed someone who understood my way of learning communicating and how I did understand the work yeah. without the pressure of that situation of sitting there and having to write for three hours on my English paper or, or the history paper or whatever and could was, you do even do it today like I could God, not. no I've not, not gone back to uni since I was in my 20s because I just can't do it <laughs> the idea I, so 20 years. I can't I couldn't I'd probably get like half a page down and be going oh you know my hand <laughs> arthritis it's setting in already there's no way it's never gonna have another chance all the way through they type their assessments at the moment when they're because it's overlapping worlds and then the hsc is still writing really still writing so i'm like so practice your writing do not just type and then go in there and expect your hand to be able to suddenly magically churn out pages it's not going to happen like practice but how (laughs) dumb it's in 10 years i'm assuming everything will just be online online yeah but yes okay so I look I found high school difficult too and I think a lot of people were feeling like they didn't fit in all together standing there going oh my god I don't fit in when you actually think back it's kind of funny like everyone worrying about what other people are thinking of them whatever so no one's thinking of each other because they're also worried about what other people are thinking of them all standing together kind of amusing um but all right and did you you stayed all the way through and did HSC in 95 I did but almost didn't okay so So, um, yeah, by the time I got to the end of year 11, I was pretty miserable. Like I, I, I was, yeah, I was in a yeah. bad headspace. And um, my dad, like I said, a teacher, he was teaching at Skeggs Redlands at the time over on the Lower North Shore. And so we were thinking maybe I should change over, go to his school, do year 12. Um, again, this is my parents thinking that, you know, not too bright, that I'd do better in the HSE if I went to a different school that wasn't classed in the same category as Sydney girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so maybe I'd do better if I, if I went there. And I thought long and hard about it. And in the end, it was better the devil you know. And I figured I'm better off staying at Sydney High with the teachers that I know. I'd already done a lot of all the prereq stuff for history and with English and, and design and tech, which were my, my three kind of favourite subjects. Yeah. And so I thought better stay and write it out. So I did. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't, wasn't the end of the world. Like I'm glad I stayed. I think it would have been a lot harder if I had changed for the final year. Um, yeah. It would have been way too disruptive. I, you know, I'm, I'm glad I finished it out. And um, I've never been back on campus since though. Never gone back to the school since. I remember meeting up with Arietta Sapanakis many years later, if you remember Ari, and we bumped into each other through just um, sort of work-associated relations. Um, And both of us, I think it was coming up to maybe the um, 15th or maybe the 15th anniversary. That year anniversary that no one expected. And and, um, we were talking and we were like, okay, Neither of us have been back on campus since we left and we were both like, right, if we go, we're going to get drunk beforehand and we turn up together. And we're like, yes, that's what we're going to do. So that was... <laughs> but, um... <laughs> but, yeah, it's just, it was just, yeah, yeah. So I think, 
getting through year 12, I was really happy to kind of get through year 12. And I turned 18 right in the middle of the exams, the HSC. So again, you know, I didn't get to celebrate big, didn't do go hard. But what I did do was then start working in hospitality as soon as I finished my exams. I started working at a hotel um, in Potts Point, which is now a turned into an apartment block but it was a landmark hotel back in the time back in the day on McClay Street and I worked in the restaurant um basically full-time for the whole summer break before uni started um made some good money lost heaps of weight because I was just running around all the time barely eating lots of alcohol um but (laughs) but yeah that was I I kind of needed that stark difference and complete break from from school and went into that kind of life, which... And it's a good idea to work through that period because I know a lot of people, they finish their exams in November. Uni doesn't start till March. Mm. And unless you've got something, you've got nothing to do. It's sort of, yeah. I don't know, uni is even worse because it's sort of it's harder than school <laughs> and it comes out and you're just couch potatoing for a few months and then bang, you know. Bang, yeah, so exactly. good idea to work, get a bit of money as well. All right, so what did you, did you go to uni? I did. Um, I didn't get into the course I wanted. So I wanted to get into the Bachelor of Commerce degree in hospitality management at UNSW. I got through the interview process. I did really well. Like it was just final waiting on my marks to come through. And my maths mark let me down. Of all the marks let me down, it happened to be my maths mark. And it was about, I don't know, maybe five points under what the lowest mark was that they would accept. And because I think they had enough students that they could accept in, I missed out. So I did an arts degree at UNSW, majored in human resource management, sociology, almost ended up with a triple major in history because sociology pissed me off so much after the sort of first year that I I just did a whole lot of history subjects. But yeah, so I... I got through, I had a, I loved uni, I had a wonderful time, um, made some absolutely amazing friends throughout those years, got so involved in all the um, student volunteering. I was an orientation week leader three years in a row on the organising committee. I got involved in all the student reviews, doing all the acting and singing and dancing. Um, I did trivia quizzes every Thursday night in the uni bar. Um, oh, for three years I was either on the panel helping out and by the end of the third year I think I was I was comparing with another mate of mine Seamus and um, I spent more time on my extracurricular activities at university that um, my studies did suffer a little bit in the second and third year which um, meant that I needed to take a bit of a break so I took about a year a year and a half off worked um and uh, did recruitment consulting for about six months and hated it. It was so horrible. <laughs> and then uh, ended up working at the Hilton Sydney, the, the, the version before the renovation. Um, and I was managing the club room, the club lounge uh, with all the VIPs and regulars, had a team of about five staff working for me up there. Um, so it was a combination of front office. Yeah, 20. I was about 20. Yeah, managing um, some club at 20. Yeah. yeah, so I had... About team of five, I was running, it was both front front of house and food and beverage combination up there. Did that, had my life nothing but the hotel for an entire 12 months and went, this isn't good. <laughs> I was, it was way too much drinking, way too much partying, but it also meant I didn't have my friends outside of the hotel because my hours were so horrible. And yeah. then so I went, no, stuff it. I've only got a little bit left to go. Go back to uni, finish my degree. So, and so I did that. That was during 2020 when the Olympics were on. 
and then went back to uni 2021 2000 2000 sorry yeah Yeah, the 2000 olympics and um one of our cohort was a dancer in the opening ceremony so I wanted to audition to go and do that because they needed tap dancers and I tap danced for most of my life and I couldn't get away my boss wouldn't let me off to go to the audition to go and be part of the opening ceremony and I'm kicking myself to this day for not taking the balls. Nick, do you know what? Nikki and Webster, going the it. names just come to me. <laughs> Nikki Webster on that recording a few weeks ago. I couldn't remember the name oh. of the little girl who sung. Oh. <laughs> it's just come yes. to me. I thought it would come to me in the shower before now, but there we go. Okay, yes. I'll edit that out. So, <laughs> yeah, so I missed I missed out on that one, which, you know, was sad. But um, but it was still an interesting time that year. So the year 2000, yes, I was at the hotel, finished out that year. Um and then went back to uni and finished my degree in 2001 mm-hmm. and then took off overseas after that. And, uh, and just... did you go to Europe? Of course I went to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> it was the only gamble on this group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, I took off. I went, I started over in Greece and uh, flew into Athens and spent time two weeks over in Greece and the Greek islands, island hopping. Beautiful. I went on my own. I didn't have anyone with me. I just took off on my own, went over there, then did two weeks over in Turkey. And then I kind of zigzagged my way kind of from east to west um, for the next oh. sort of three months. So I had four months in total of, of backpacking around Poland, Czechoslovakia, um, or Czech Republic, I should say, um, Austria, Germany, Italy, Switzerland, um, Spain. Um, I missed France because I knew I was going to the UK and I had my working visa. And so I figured, oh, once I'm in London, I'll be able to get over to France really easily and I'll go whenever I want. So I kind of went almost, you know, apart from the Scandinavian countries, I kind of did a good four months of partying and living it up and getting to know me like that's what yeah. it really was it was about testing my limits knowing um uh, you know how to survive and how to get around and and just be me and have fun and I loved it I was I'm glad I did it at 23 I was 23 yeah. at the time I turned 24 while I was doing my backpacking and I think that was a good age to appreciate a lot of the things that I got to see and do Um, and then, uh, in November was when I then ended up in, um, of 2001, I ended up in London and ended up over there for about 18 months in total. 18 months, so many people lived over there. Yes, I'm sure. The reunion could have been held in London. (laughs) 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 So more people over there than there were here at one point, I reckon. Yeah, well, I had a lot of friends that actually went over a lot later than me but um, and stayed for a long time as well. But, yeah, I just kind of did a couple of years, had a busted-up relationship sort of. I was with somebody for a while over there and it didn't end very well and so I just thought, mm-hmm. you know what, I'll just come back to Australia. Um, mm-hmm. Stressed about whether or not I'd have any friends by the time I got back because it had been such a different world over there and I didn't live like all the other Aussies in where is it, like Shepherd's Bush or wherever they all, yeah, like, Park. you know, where it was known, some in the Earl's Court and Shepherd's Bush and all that kind of in the western western area. I was east, like border of Essex. And so I sort of did it the completely opposite way around. And it wasn't until I was close to leaving um, the UK, and I did travel a lot over the UK while I was there, 
Um, but I realised I should have gone south to Brighton. That that would have suited me to a T, but I learnt too late and I'd already committed to coming home. And so, yeah, made it back when I was, what, 25 by that stage, back to Australia and uh, kind of ready to start over again in a way, kind of figure out what do I do next. And what did you do next? So I guess from all the experience I'd had, the kinds of jobs that I'd been doing, I'd sort of had a lot of experience in hospitality. I was working for a training organisation over in the UK um, and organising a lot of training events for a not-for-profit organisation over there. Um, I came back and I went, well, event management sounds like something I'm, you know, I not only enjoy doing but I re- I'm really good at doing. So <laughs> old school, the yellow pages, I got out the yellow pages oh and I, I looked through at which are all the event companies based in Sydney CBD, they have offices in the Sydney CBD, and I wrote letters and sent my CV out to these companies and I got a hit. So <laughs> yeah, the kids today just don't understand what we used to do when we were applying for jobs, you know. Just, but, and that's it. So I thought, you know what, I've got nothing to lose. Like, you know, just potluck, send them out, see what happens, and, and I got lucky. So I ended up working for um, a nice boutique um, event management company in the middle of the city on York Street, um, and it was great. Did a lot of great events, lots of corporates with law firms and financial institutions and pharmaceuticals, got to travel um, around Australia, I think a bit of international travel through that as well, and, um, yeah, that was a good really good sort of place to start made some great friends through that process um, and learnt an awful lot and then um, had some rocky years as well though like just kind of moved to this one company the woman was who ran the business was such a bitch like the nastiest piece of work I've ever come across as a woman in business like she locked her own children out of the house because they wanted to move out they're in their 20s they're early 20s she they wanted to move out just around the corner in Surrey Hills not far from where their home was because the office was at the bottom of their house and she got so pissed off at her own kids that she changed the locks on the house so they couldn't get inside like that's the kind of woman I was working for she was something like she was people make the business don't they that's oh my god it's yeah yeah so people suck the job sucks that's it and there was there was this business that I'd been wanting to work for for quite some time I I, they're a a loyalty company so they did loyalty programs for large corporates and they had an office in Melbourne uh they weren't ready to kind of set up in Sydney yet but I'd approached them and they weren't, yeah, they weren't quite ready, but they were like, we'll keep you on the books. You know, when we're ready to get Sydney set up, we'll let you know. So I had to work for this six-month period for this bitch of a woman. Um, and in that time frame, um, I organised a, vis- a visa to go to Canada. I thought, you know what, let's go. I've done the UK. I've been through Europe. Let's go to Canada. I love skiing. I want to go to the mountains. Let, and you I know, speak French I in half of Canada. So it's That's sort of right. <laughs> So I thought that would be amazing. So I got my Canadian visa and organised uh, with a bunch of mates who were also going to go over for a holiday so that I'd go and do the holiday part and start with them uh, at the end of, what year was that? Hmm. Um, I was 28. I don't know. 
So when you're born 77, yeah, 97 plus eight, plus, plus yeah, five. That might have, that could have, yeah, actually, that's probably right, 2005. So it was, um, so I was heading over to Canada with mates, um, and right before at the end of the year, um, tickets were all booked, ready to go, spend a year in Canada, have a, have a jolly time, see where life takes me. It was one of these sliding door moments. All of a sudden, the loyalty company comes back and says, hey, Vanessa, we've got an opportunity. We're st- we've set up the Sydney office now. Do you still want to join us? And so I was like, oh, my God, I've got this trip booked to Canada. I was going to go for, a, you know, at least a year, see what happens. But here's a job I've wanted for six months. What do I do? And so coin. that's it. So I chose to take the role. And yeah. thought, great. Oh, I told them about the, the trip that I'd planned. I spent a month on holiday. So I did three weeks in Canada, a week in Hawaii on the way back. And then I actually started the job before I went on the trip, took the month off and then came back. And, and then it was like officially starting from the point that I got back uh, yeah. in, in that role. And I think it was pivotal that I took that role because what I learned at that company set me up in a way to get into to do what I do now um, and taught me a lot more in terms of true marketing strategy in terms of understanding the value of data and analytics and and um, customer satisfaction customer loyalty um, and experiences all of this kind of stuff so it was bringing the events into it it was bringing the marketing and and customer management and all these other things together and so I was with this company for quite a few years it was in Piermont great location um down on the wharves and it was fantastic like I'm glad that I took that opportunity um and then I thought maybe I could go out after a few years on my own and one of my clients was West Track Caterpillar and the guys I had such a good relationship with were like well if you do go out on your own we'll come with you so um, I started working through that plan, got myself set up, got my ABN, set up business, all that kind of jazz. And then lo and behold, they were like, we're really sorry, Vanessa. We can't do it. We've been told out of Singapore, we've got someone now there. She's going to start managing all of this. And I'd quit the job. I'd set all this up. And I was now in this kind of, oh, fuck moment. <laughs> what do I do what do I do I'm like oh my god this is a disaster and so I'm like oh my god what do I do so I'm like scrambling I I'm like okay I found a job with Virgin Active when they had started up in Australia nothing glamorous office management just something to kind of tide me over while I kind of figure out what to do next (laughs) Um, at that point in time, so this is now 2008 and so I'm 30 and I've had an opportunity. There's an apartment that's come up in Paddington and it was like my parents or had it, my parents owned an apartment in that building, which is how they knew this one came up for sale. It was a bit run down, but it was livable and yeah. they're like, you should go for it. 
So I'm like, got the right well, location. You oh my god, the location up. was spectacular. Like, <laughs> so it was the Wallara end of Paddington as well. So I was stumbling distance between oh, the Lord Dudley, the Bellevue, and the Four in Hand. Like, you couldn't oh. have picked a better location. Anyway, um, it was a. It wasn't for auction. It was sort of private, privately on the market. So I was like privately bidding against some unknown person for this property, for this apartment, this little one better. Um, and lo and behold, I, I won it. So, you know, I've got this kind of whatever job, but it paid okay. And I've got this uh, new apartment. I'm like, oh, my God, Object. I've secured my, my own place. And then three weeks before I settle, the assholes made me redundant because I was overqualified for the job because oh my god, the, the, I kept wanting to just do more, like, I'm not the kind of person who sits and twiddles my thumb, right? If there's more I can do to help, I offer. So, you know, sure, office management staff looking for new office locations, whatever, you know, that's fine. I can do all that kind of stuff. But I wanted to help with the marketing side. I wanted to help a little bit more. You know, I could do whatever I could do from the recruitment side with my, you know, I had my HR background and, you know, I understood a lot of things. So I just wanted to help out. And I think I was... I didn't understand, I didn't realize, but I must have been stepping on the toes of these other yeah. sort of management team. Making other and people look bad and they didn't like I'm not it. making, I didn't feel like I was making them look bad. It was just like, give me something to do. I want to help. I want to, you know, do more. And it just didn't work. So overqualified, uh, you're being made redundant. So three weeks before mm-hmm. I settled and I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck? Seriously, how much more can go wrong? <laughs> So <laughs> this is oh. mid-year. So this is like July, June, July, like middle of the year. And then um, through one of the women who was working their contract on a contract basis, we'd become quite close while we were there. And I just I got in touch with her. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, what do, where do I go? She was my boyfriend. Uh, he <laughs> She's having an affair with the owner of some large construction company. And <laughs> um, so she's like, he needs they need an office manager do you want to take it over and introduce you I said great anything I'll take it you know walked in there had the interview said this is what I need to be earning and they went fine no problem you got the job so I'm like oh okay I get to settle on the house I've got another job I'm 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 I feel like okay good this is this is okay get settled in now I'm pretty hardy I am good with all male environments I'm used to very kind of I've been I've dealt with a lot of sexual harassment over the years uh, a lot of very inappropriate behavior um and oh my goodness this place like this whole this, this company was toxic was something in a else. way something else. huh yeah but <laughs> if, yeah but at the same time if they give it I give it back. Like I, there was no holds barred. If that's the way you're going to behave, fine. You're just going to get it back as well. So that was fine. Mm. There was this really good understanding. You give, you take, all good. Um, And then we get towards, what is it, October of 2008 when the global financial crisis hits. And what's one of the industries that also gets hit one of the hardest during that time? The construction industry. So end of that year, they did a whole bunch of layoffs. I survived that round early 2009 though they're like we can't keep you on any further and I'm like holy shit like seriously I'm now two jobs out 
in one in a space of less, like less than 12 months I have this new property not only that the interest rates at the time when I bought the property because there was no issue back then half of it was fixed the other half was variable the mm-hmm. fixed rate was 9.14% like stupidly high stupidly high <laughs> and I I'm like and it was locked for 3 years so what I just I'm like what what do I do with myself? So here I am back again, looking like I'm miserable. I'm like, what do I do with myself? And I'm not the type to go on the dole or whatever. It's like, no, I work, you know, I find something, I get a job. That's what I do. So ended up with a small tech company that happened to be in Paddington. I get a job as their kind of office slash marketing manager, massive pay reduction, but I had a job. So I'm like, okay, cool pull belt in, let's, let's do what we can. And then it wasn't, wasn't the best. Like I struggled massively for those two years, but I had my saving grace, which was my best friend, Lena, who happened to also live at the other end of the street yeah. in her own little studio. And we were both <laughs> cashless, <laughs> single. <laughs> we had, you know, we'd, we'd be eating like, tuna on toast you know for dinner and you know two minute noodles and all that kind of jazz and our Fridays were you know when we'd get together and we'd go to the Grand National Pub for dinner on a Friday night we'd have a steak and a shandy and that was our treat for ourselves (laughs) yeah and we just you know we supported each other and we got you know we we while we both lived you know in this world together we supported each other and and we're like that still today. Um, but you know, it was, it was really tough. It got dark, it got horrible and miserable, but that was also the, around the time when I started getting into a lot more of the dance parties and going out a lot more and then a different crowd of friends and a different kind of, uh, lifestyle in that early thirties kind of years, things that a lot of other people did in their twenties, which I didn't really get into back then. And now I was going hard on the party scene (laughs) (laughs) but it was my it was the one outlet I needed like I needed that 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 escape I I needed what helped me make what the way that it made me feel so um joyous and just getting like dancing and that moment with friends and being out of it and it was what I needed um and you know and it was that whole experience and lasted for quite a few years but it did help me survive a lot of that miserableness um but what I did find was that about two years down the track after I'd started this tech company the level of debt I'd got into because I just I didn't realize that the money I was earning was barely covering like my basics like even barely the groceries so I'd racked up this insane level of debt that I just couldn't understand how I was ever going to repay or get through it And one of the most demoralizing moments of my life was going over to my parents' place and admitting what it, like how I was in this financial miserableness, breaking down and crying in front of them and just not understanding how here I am in my thirties. And I'm like, what, what do I do? Like, do I have to sell? Do I move back in with you guys? Like, I couldn't think of anything more horrifying. Like yeah. how do I, I, I was, I, it was like I was just getting punched and punched and punched and punched and I was like, <laughs> like, like how do 
make my life work? Like, why is this happening? Anyway, you know, you get through these things. Like I, you, you, you've got to change your mindset. You've got to look forward. You've got to think, what is it that I can do? Because you are the master of your own destiny. So what is it that I can do to change this situation? Yeah. And I was running a lot, so that was my outlet in terms of like I would run. I had a little my older dog Olive with me at the time, so I, you know, I did a lot of running. I uh, exercised. That was my outlet, and I'd use that time to think through. And I'm like, right, I need to get into a bigger company. I can't keep working for this small company. They weren't working with me. Every time I tried to offer new ideas or ways of operating that kind of come back to me like oh how about we kind of do this with your kpis and this and and, you know maybe make and i went i know how this works i'm not a dumbass like i've been through this whole process i've designed these processes no you've made something that's very unachievable work for me so i had to just keep suffering through this while i tried to work on my mental state and start applying for other roles so found a job that I went, bingo, this is it. This is the one I need to get and this is going to be my saviour. So it was with Hitachi Data Systems and it was an event manager and it meant going back into events, which, to be honest, now I freaking hate doing events and I still have to do it. If any of my clients (laughs) hear me say this, (laughs) just know I do it because I love you as my clients, not because I love doing events. But... (laughs) I, I, but at the time I'm like, this is the perfect opportunity to get me into a big global company where I can, you know, at least get a foot in the door and potentially move into other things. So I did everything I could to get myself in and I did. So that was step one on Vanessa's way out of her miserable path of life (laughs) I'd been living, (laughs) but it took another five years to redeem my financial situation to get back on track to where I used to be and to feel secure yeah. and safe again. And that was hard. That was a hard slog for yeah. and the I, next five I, I know, years. I found those darkest times in hindsight I learned the most. Absolutely. And then the the biggest lesson I think probably overall is that, yeah, everything takes more time than I want it to. You know, yeah, I want yes. things now. I want it done and fixed now and it, it's just the world doesn't work that way. It's all no, way. no, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice so, being yeah. this age and actually knowing that stuff <gasps> and watching younger people oh. getting frustrated and just going, like, it's not going to help. <laughs> no, but you know, but the thing is, you know that there's there's always that light at the end of the tunnel, and if you just yeah. keep people keep believing in yourself, if you trust in yourself, yeah. that you will get there. You know, there's things that. There's, as, as I always keep getting told, there's your sphere of influence, right? This is your sphere of influence. You can control what's ever in that. Anything that's yeah. outside of that, don't stress yourself about it. Yeah. Don't try and worry about it. Not that that ever works in real in real life. Like seriously, I stress about everything. But what that's you can control, that is yeah. the goal, but yeah. what you can control is, you know, you do your best to manage that. It doesn't mean you can dictate the way your path is going to go. But you just manage what you can while you can at that yeah, point in focus time. Focus on so, those things, yes. Yes, yeah. So, yes, I did get there in the end. But then, you know, other things like to come in and, you know, 
knock you around all over again and give you curveballs. It's the wave thing. I love that when I was younger, every time I would go into a down, I'd be, oh, my God, my life's over. And then things would get good and I'd be like, I've made it. This is going to go on forever. That's it. And I thought, you know, I'm at this point, you know, let's say I'm 35 now or by this point in time, things were good. Things were I looked amazing. I was super fit. I had my apartment, my little dog. I had great friends. I had a great lifestyle. I was still partying my ass off. I was working hard. Um, I had a great lifestyle. I loved it. Yeah. Um, then I decided to just change it all up. Because. <laughs> Um, but no, but there were a few factors involved here. There was the kind of relationship that had been going off and on over a 15-year period that had gotten really toxic and just he was an alcoholic, he was a pot smoker, like constant. He couldn't get up and, like, he'd get up at 6 a.m. and and smoke and it was like, just, it was, yeah, it was getting to a point where, I knew this was no longer healthy and I needed to get myself away from it. Yeah. Um, I was also at a point where I just felt that my, I love my family, but they're very kind of like the helicopter type of family. And like I said, you know, they never really under, have ever understood me or kind of got where, you know, what I did, why the decisions I made. And there was, there wasn't always a lot of support, but they were always very in my life. Like they always wanted to be very involved in everything I was doing I'm like, I just need some distance. I need some distance. Yeah. I need to get away from this guy. I hated driving from Paddington to North Ride every single day in the traffic <laughs> and then back home again. And it was, I was working the most insane hours. Like I loved the job. It was all right. I had an okay boss, lovely guy, um, but the director of marketing out of Asia Pac based in Hong Kong was a nasty piece of work, so another bitch and a half to deal with who didn't like me <laughs> because... Fun. I, well, especially when you're not the type of person who just agrees with everything she wants to do, where you question, you go, well, actually, I think there's another way we could approach these things. Anyway. Yeah. She, Placing she yourself in the firing line. <laughs> yeah. Once again, not not well liked because not going with the status quo. Yeah. And um, so I was like, I just need to do something different. I need to get away from this guy. I don't want to be continually working and, and just living to work. Like I wouldn't leave the office till like 10 o'clock at night, sorry, because I was like super busy but at the same time I didn't want to deal with the traffic so at least if I left at 10 at yeah, 10 p.m I, I could at least drive home, home. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so I thought about it I'm like well we've got an office in Melbourne what if I moved to Melbourne because I've been going down to Melbourne a lot and I thought what if I just what if I asked for a relocation and I you know the guys down in Melbourne I kind of broached it down there with the the team down there and they're like oh we'd love that Vanessa we'd love it especially to have some marketing representation because by this time I was beyond the events role I was running field marketing for ANZ so it was you know progressed in the in 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 the company I was well respected and so um I put in for the transfer which got approved so six months later um I pack up my life in Sydney and I moved myself down to Melbourne and that was February of 2014 so I literally packed up my house on Valentine's Day 14th of February 2014 and stayed overnight like my my, packed it all up in a truck it got driven down I drove the car down 
and arrived in Melbourne on the 15th of February 2014 and kind of started, same job, but kind of still starting over in a different way. I just kind of needed to try something different and see where it would lead me. How did you sort of, what was your initial impression of Melbourne? Because I just, I've only been to Melbourne once, but I had hyped up expectations. So once again, (laughs) set myself up, but I got there and just felt like it was incredibly flat. (laughs) It is. An endless flat plain with lots of stuff built on it. Like it, I don't know. I was used so to I have to. Sydney. So I have to admit, the first time I went to Melbourne was towards the end of 1999, and had a miserable experience. Like I did, it was not a good. It was like a weekend trip, and it didn't go down well. And yeah. so I was like, "Fuck Melbourne! What a shit city this is!" Like I back then, I'm like, "No, no, no! This is this is crap." Go back to Sydney, like. Sydney's the place to be. But <laughs> jump for, forward a few more years and that was when I was working with um, the loyalty company um, uh, from about you know 2005. So yeah. then I was going down to Melbourne quite a bit more often because the head office was down there and I started to get to know Melbourne from around that period of time. Yeah, the good part. So then 10 years later I'd spent quite a lot of time in, in in Melbourne, getting myself around, knowing the city, knowing like South Yarra, Paran, St Kilda, you know, the kind of the cool spots. Yeah, and um, yeah. and so by by the time I decided to move, I was like, no, I'm I'm actually I think Melbourne suits me. It's got a vibe about it. So while visually it's not as beautiful as Sydney in yeah. any way, but I was like, it's got a vibe that I really like. So yeah. I especially being in South Yarra is a great spot because you're right near the Yarra River and I could go walking all the way along the Yarra through the Botanic Gardens, get into the city. It was just, it was, it was a great spot to set myself up and it was walking distance to the office. So it was fantastic. So that was the beginning of 2014 uh, that I'm in Melbourne and you know, you do what you want to, you know, the kinds of things you do when you want to meet new people, you go on dating apps and you start to meet people and, and that kind of stuff to I've try that experience and... once, yeah. <laughs> Only did. once? Only once. I I went on a whole bunch of, I decided like I, this was a couple of years ago, but was it 2018? Yeah. I went on the dating apps and I, you know, I thought I'll go on lots of dates because I need to actually meet these people. So I will make a lot of, do a lot of chatting uh-huh. and, you know, cancel out, filter out all the, and then I'll go on a whole bunch of dates, you know, and then I'll see, you know, I went on like 17 dinner dates, you know. Nice. Um, nice. And I realized <laughs> it wasn't very good. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> just, um, and, you know, the, for me, there was an awful moment at the, towards the end of the date where I realised there's not going to be a second date inside of me. I know that. And oh, the yes. other person goes to pay for both of us. I started to feel very, like, just bad about the whole thing and started offering, you know, like, look, let's, let, you know, let's just pay half each, you know, because I, you know, I don't feel comfortable with you paying for me. And, and those awkward moments where somebody else wants a kiss at the end of that first date and I already know I that I want to go home. So I had a lot of awkward <laughs> situations and I thought, yeah, this really isn't um, this really isn't for me. I would like to try speed dating once in my oh, life. Oh, that's fun. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, go do that. Because it's supposed to be all, you know, it's none of those, you know, we know we're all just going to do da 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 and we're going to leave and you're going to get a text message saying if someone liked you or whatever. I like that. No awkward kiss moments, It's you know. No. No, I've done some, I've done some speed dating sessions as well. It is fun. 
And then it's actually better after you do the you do the rounds and the speed dating and then you stick around and you just, you know, meet you everybody in. more casually over drinks. That's better. So it's yeah. actually it's actually it's actually a bit of fun. It's worth doing. Highly yeah. recommend it. Um I'm not saying you're gonna find them, you know, the person of your dreams, but okay, you but I, I can I can it's imagine fun. that experience being a bit better. The one yeah, the one to one date like yeah, I've probably only been attracted to like three people in my life. So the idea that I'm going to find someone, which I think was a little bit insane. Don't discount it. I'm just going to say don't discount it. Yeah. I spent 10 years off and on various dating apps, just doing that over a 10-year period, off and on, and met some lovely people, met some absolute dickheads and assholes along the way yes. too. But Always a mix. Yeah. So a mix. But there were, there were some good ones in there as well, and I guess – the ones that I lost along the way were mainly due to the fact that they were super keen on having families and I wasn't. So while I had beautiful relationships with them and even was able to stay friends with them after the fact uh, for some time, um, and there were two in particular, the guys that I dated and had lovely relationships with, but the um, they've, their need to have a family uh was something that you know was super important to them obviously and and not not to me so that's how we ended up parting ways funnily enough with both of these guys the very next the the women they dated after me were the ones I happened to marry and have kids with (laughs) funnily enough but but um but yeah so um but yeah so dating apps was my thing in Melbourne to kind of get to know people, people and get myself yeah. around. So I was doing that. I was working my ass off again, like stupid hours, pushing myself to the brink. Basically, all, half of my te- most of my team had also resigned. So I'm doing the work of about three different people, including my boss. And um, one day, uh, after I'd had been out on a date with a guy, had a wonderful date. There wasn't anything going to happen from it. We'd had a wonderful time, had a bit of a big night. I went to go pick up my car where I'd left it, went and had breakfast. Then uh, went, to, went down to um, the big W to go and do some shopping Sunday morning, about 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. I collapse and have a seizure in the big W. And oh, my gosh. I had no idea that I'd been pushing myself so hard. That hard. Yeah. So... For months and months, this was um, six months after being in Melbourne. Um, a month, a month before I turned thirty-six, I think it was that this happened, and I, I don't remember much. I remember I was standing, I had basket on my arm. I'm looking at toothpaste, and like a wave, like you know when you you just get really um, low blood pressure type of thing sometimes yes, you get like headachey faint. faint and so this rush kind of comes up through my feet all the way to the head and I'm like a dizzy and I kind of like hold on to I don't know the shelving unit or something near me to kind of steady myself and I think oh I really did have a big one last night maybe I just haven't had enough water okay go drink more water <laughs> that's what I'm telling myself right I'm like steadying myself I'm like okay that's all right got this all right I'm all right yeah, I'm good. Okay. Take another step forward. Whoosh. Another whoosh. Don't remember anything after that. And then Grand until, and then all I know next is that there's some dude standing right over me 
asking me questions. What's my name? Do I know where I am? What year is it? You know, all those kinds yeah. of things. Um, and then I'm whisked off to the hospital to the Alfred um, and spent the day uh, in the hospital, tests, all sorts, them checking me out. I had seriously bad concussion. Um, I whiplash. Um, I didn't know about the seizure though. Like I just thought I'd passed out. Yeah. And <laughs> what was also perfect timing, right? Um, so this is probably all culminating in it because work had been so stressful. I was doing my boss's job. I'd gone for his role. Um, I hadn't got it because, the, like I said, the bitch in Hong Kong didn't like me because, you know, I questioned the way she liked to do things. So she made me interview for the job but had no intention of giving it to me. Um, I was – everyone in the company knew I should have taken – that job was mine and I should have got it. Um, I was working insane hours, sleep-deprived, super stressed. So all of this was culminating in the whole situation that occurred. And I'm better these days. I used to get really teary and worked up about it when I talk about it because it's, yeah. again, it's a situation that I go, how the fuck did I get this bad and not realise? And then it got so bad that my body had to stop me and yeah. make me realise that the body, this that, is... That, that book, The Body Keeps Score. You know, yeah. That's So I, anyway, I... um. Uh, lo and behold, the next day, so this was on a Sunday that this all happened, I'm lying flat as a board in the hospital. I've got a collar around my neck and I'm, I've got my phone out because the next day I was meant to be flying up to Sydney. I'm meant to be flying up to Sydney the next morning to induct my new boss into the manager role (laughs) because I didn't get it. So I'm lying there, like, you know, if you can sit, you know, with my hands up above my head, phone going, um, sending an email to everybody. I'm really sorry. I'm not going to be flying up to Sydney tomorrow. I've just collapsed. I'm in hospital. That photo um, probably would have sufficed. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's just, I, I was like, yeah, this, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not going to make it. There we go. So um, anyway, it wasn't until two weeks later, I was drugged out for two weeks, like literally the, the level of drugs they'd put in me to literally make me sleep, to just take it easy I had to actually oh this was the hard part I didn't know enough people in Melbourne to come pick me up from the hospital they wouldn't let me get a taxi home so I had to call a guy I'd been on a few dates with who lived really close to me I'm like can you please come and pick me up he's like I'm so sunstroke I can't move I went dude I've just had a collapse I'm in the hospital and I need somebody to take me home like I can't leave here unless someone takes me home Lo and behold, he was such a darling. He went, he came and picked me up and, and took me home. But um, yeah, I spent two weeks out of it on the couch. Um, and in that time frame, I went, this job is clearly not healthy for me. Um, yeah. I called up the the big W. I asked to speak to the duty manager and, and said, hey, I'm the person that collapsed in a couple of weeks ago. I kind of like to see what happened you have some video footage of, of the situation he goes well I was actually there on duty that day and believe me you do not want to see the video I said really wow. well what happened to me because I, I I just passed out I don't know 
apparent, so this is where I hear the story. He goes, well, you collapsed and thankfully we heard you and you were convulsing, you turned blue, you had um, foam coming out of your mouth. Believe me, you do not want to see the video footage of you in that wow. state. So I was, that rocked me even more. I'm like, oh, shit. So how like, dealt with the seizure in the hospital, like possible? Didn't know, didn't know. Oh, because they didn't know. Okay. Well, they may have known, but they didn't tell me. Yeah, they weren't such, because you'd think, yeah, it's anti-scoods, so, if you... Who cares? It's random medical knowledge I have. If you are, you know, epileptic or prone to seizures and you don't take anti-seizure meds, it can do cognitive damage over a number of years and right stuff. So, yeah. When did, did you get a diagnosis in the end? Yeah, so I had to um, obviously see a neurologist and I had a whole bunch of scans and stuff done. Um, he, The neurologist ruled it as a once-off event But it still meant for six months, no driving, um, you know, all these sort of things like restrictions put on me just in case. Yeah. Um, But I, yeah, I look, it was, it was a rough time. I'm in a city where I didn't have a lot of friends or have family around. Um, But funnily enough, I also didn't want certain people around me either because I knew they would make way too much of a fuss and big deal out of the whole situation, (laughs) make it worse. So I've always been really good at dealing with things on my own. I've lived on my own for so many years. I travelled all over the world on my own. So, you know, I'm confident in myself to know that I can take care of myself and and survive and keep going. So the two weeks I, you know, told work I'm out, don't even – talk to me then um I also um went to my GP and kind of said look I feel like I should probably see a psychologist like I feel like hating myself but I I think maybe it's a smart thing to do like just just to check just you know maybe I should go see somebody and um yeah do you recommend someone so yeah so I went and saw this psychologist uh, started sort of going to the sessions, working through things. And even at the first session, she's kind of like, you're kind of okay. Like you were, you're aware of your situation. You know what's going on. I get it that it's rattled you, but you're kind of fine. <laughs> like, well, that's a good start. So <laughs> I kind of went for about four to six sessions and then kind of stopped because I was like, eh, it's not adding any value, but it validated that I'm going to be okay. I'm like, okay, yeah. I feel like I've done the right things. And throughout that time, I only went back to work. Um, after the two weeks, I think I only went back kind of half a day, like three days a week, half a day kind of worth of work type of thing. Then for a few weeks and then... I kind of built it up to just three days a week um, while I was just trying to, you know, get back into things. And I happened to find a new job in that time frame because I'm like, screw this, I'm not staying here. This is a miserable situation as it is. Clearly the company couldn't give a fuck about me. Like I could have put in, I should have put in a workers' comp claim. But with my HR background and knowing how HR people work, I thought it would probably blight on my work history they would do everything in their power to make me look bad and not the company yeah. look bad. So I thought, you know what, I'm not going to go there. Um, and so I just thought, let's just get out of there. 
So I had uh, found a startup, tech startup company. They needed a director of marketing for Asia Pack. I had five interviews within five days. They offered me the job on the Friday. I went, woohoo! And um, <laughs> popped in my resignation because they were kind of a competing company. I got to then take a month gardening leave. And so I'm like, yay, I got to finish Forced up. relaxation. <laughs> exactly. So I wasn't, I hadn't even gone back full time, had never actually met my new boss in person. Um, and uh, I kind of just walked away and took a bit of a break, went to Bali for a couple of weeks and then started started the new job and um, started all over again to like, you know, yeah. let's start, let's get yourself back in good health, let's sort of take better care and start doing things more on my own terms, not because somebody is yeah. dictating this is how you have to operate and you've got these time frames and constraints. It's like, no, KPIs. I want to be Yeah, I want to be able to be proactive. I don't want to constantly live in this reactive world where no one can get their shit done on time. They don't know how to manage everything. I'm working with I worked with so, so many misogynists in the tech industry like the oh my god, it's yeah. nuts actually it didn't actually get better when I started this new job because I brought on a country manager who was way like he was such a such a tool I actually ended up getting him fired but he <laughs> I it was 18 months in a role where I was literally running the show because the country manager didn't have have a clue what he was doing and no one respected him so I was in the end running things for uh ANZ Asia Pack and got to the point where I could see the, com- the company was also tanking over that 18 months. Like it took 12 months to see, oh, they're not quite doing how well that, you know, as well as they should be doing. They've not employed really the right people. Um, I can see that there's not much longer left in here. I was saying that to the other guys. I'm like, dudes, have a plan B. You need this backup plan because it's not going to last much longer. Yeah. Beginning of 2016, I was like, yep. I want to start my own business. I want to go out consulting. I feel like I'm in a good place to do that. So I started working on business plans and idea of how I was going to construct the business, what I wanted to do. Oh, your own one. Yeah. My own business. I made the face because at the beginning of this year, I tried started to try and open a small business doing business plans for other people and it was just so tedious. Ugh, no thanks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. But, um, but yeah, no, for me and yeah. thinking about how, what was it that was going to be my angle and point of difference, um, how did, you know, what was my rates, how was I going to operate, all that kind of stuff, what was that yeah. niche that I was going to fill. Um, had that all kind of in the works, thought, okay, I'll write it out to the end of the year, get the business maybe started in the next six months so that I kind of start that while I finish off here and see how it goes smooth transition fingers well so I thought that was that was the plan (laughs) love plans so then as I as I'd figured the business wasn't going to last much the the startup company wasn't going to last much longer six months later from that from that start date they made everyone in Australia redundant and the others were like really shocked I'm like why are you shocked I've been telling you for months (laughs) plan b plan b this was never going to last so I had the most bizarre experience actually in that sense because I was really good about it. Like I was thrilled. I'm like, I get a payout. I get to literally start my business right now. Like I don't have to wait. I can just do it. And the CMO out of the US, I'd had 
I was, you know, I'm dealing with US companies. So I, you know, numerous trips to the US. I'd spent a lot of time in the Silicon Valley, hate the Silicon Valley. Um, but my boss was based over there and, and um, she was on the phone talking to me about this redundancy, why they had to do it. Even though it was an Asia pack role, they still were letting everyone in Australia go. She's crying on the phone, down the phone, down, you know, on, on the call we were having. And I'm like, I'm cool. I'm good. I know what I'm doing next. Sort of excited. Yeah, I've got a new path. This is this is a position I haven't been in for a long time, where I feel really confident in where this where this is going. So, um, that was sort of the 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 pivotal point for me, you know, finishing up that kind of that part of my corporate life and starting my own my own business and my own consultancy. What did you call it? So my business is called Radial Consulting. R A D I A L, as opposed to radical, which a lot of people keep. Yeah, a lot of people keep calling it radical consulting. I'm like, no, that's not me. Radial, radial (laughs) consulting. Um, And amazingly, within two weeks of setting up the business, I had my first client, and through my network and connections, and that was nearly six and a half years ago. So, still and stronger than it's ever been. So, um, it was you know, one of the scariest sort of leap forwards, but exhilarating. And I've had some rocky times in between. Like there was, <laughs> I took a month off uh, when I was turning 40 in October of um, 2007. And I thought, no, no, I want to celebrate 40. The original plan was get a breast reduction for my 40th. That really? was the plan. Oh, man. So I've had one since. But back then I was like, and I told you, I had, you know, I had the big boobs. They had governed my life, my whole life, always. Like they'd always been a bit of a blight on me and it was always part of my identity for ever. It's always been part of my identity. And my 40th, I said to myself, that's going to be my present to myself. I'm going to get a breast reduction. I knew how much it cost. I'd been saving up. Then I thought, I really want to go back to Europe. So (laughs) I would spend a month, my birthday month of October in, in Europe. For my 40th yeah, and by that you've got to do it you've got to celebrate so by this stage also I was dating I, I'd met through online dating my now husband um wow. so I actually met him a year after I ended up in Melbourne so February of 2015 yes February 2015 was when I met my husband um he worked in tech it was kind of we met online, but it happened that we met through so the ironic, yeah. tech circles, <laughs> and it wasn't after we sort of officially announced we were dating, and it sort of went up on Facebook that mutual friends of ours went, "What? Oh my like, God. oh my god!" They knew us individually, and then they saw that we were together, and they were like, "Oh my god, this is incredible!" Oh. So, um, yeah, so that was back then. So. Nath has been with me through the whole kind of startup thing, setting up my own business. You know, I think, you know, having him there has always been that added support to, you know, ensure that I could get through it as well, that I, I'm doing the right thing, I'm making the right choices. Um, and um, so when it was the 40th, I'm like, right, I'm taking the month. I'm going to spend two weeks. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to spend it predominantly in France and also Croatia. So, um I went to um, south of France, Avignon, for a week to do the wineries. Then I went to the Loire Valley, did all the castles for a week, 
and then McNaith in um, Paris. He flew in and had two weeks with me. So we did a week in Paris and then a week or maybe a bit over a week in Croatia sailing. And it was when we were over there in um, Paris that the very first full day we had, you know, it was random. We didn't know what we were doing. We just cruised on the Seine because I wanted to go and do the hop on hop off thing and just get off wherever we wanted and look around. We managed to get to the Eiffel Tower. We're like, we'd planned to go to the very top. There was meant to be a champagne bar. We were going to, you know, do all that kind of stuff. We got there, we got up to the top and then he gets down on one knee and proposes to me at the top of the Eiffel Tower um, about 10 days before my 40th birthday. So I'm sort of like still 39. I, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> haven't quite got to 40. <laughs> yet. <laughs> um, and it was, it was so surreal. I was, it, you know, people suddenly knew what was going on before I did with their cameras out and, and videoing it mm. and photos. And, you know, he's gone down and proposed and of course I said yes and then uh, I'm worried he's didn't put the ring on and I'm like oh my god I'm so scared it's gonna like drop all the way down through the grate oh. and, and I'm like I couldn't like I kept my fingers like in a hook the whole time <laughs> like, I'm so scared but so taking the month off was a most fantastic time I'm so glad I did it but unfortunately it hurt my business because it was a time of year where I'd had some great clients. You get to October and if you don't have business lined up like through November, December and into January, it makes it really hard to kind of get through those quieter months and, you know, cash flow and things like that so that you can get into the new year and just keep going and just kind of keep putting it. Yeah. So while it was fantastic, it's memorable, had the best time ever, Work started to die off over that November, December period. And then by the time we got to January, it was really quiet. And I had a lot of proposals going out. I was talking to lots of people, um, but nothing was converting. And so then I had this almost 12-month period where nothing. I was barely making any money. And I'm, I'm, again, going into this financial situation where I'm like, I can't do this again. I can't, I couldn't. And, you know, you're so, when you're so independent, you've been on your own for so many years, you've looked after yourself, you've been through so many trials and tribulations. The last thing I wanted to do was rely on my husband to have to support me because in the way we'd set up our life, you know, we were very 50-50 in the way that we did things. He's, yeah. He was divorced, had had two kids, you know, he, you know, he'd started all over again. Yeah. And, yeah, and he'd already started all over again and, so, you know, we were coming into a relationship, you know, at the time with I had my property, he had his property with we within six months we bought a property together. You know, we'd sort of, you know, had had this thing, these these yeah, these these sort of this world built up and then all of a sudden my business starts to kind of crumble beneath me and I just didn't know what to do. I you know, I got so lost and like, well, have I, have I gone down the wrong path? Am I doing the wrong things? And then again, you know how when your mindset yeah. is all clouded and you can't focus well, you're not winning the business because you're not putting your best foot forward. You're not um, confident in the way that yeah, you're approaching things. Yeah, all the self-doubting and fear takes yeah. over. And... So I was, you know, thankfully I built up some money, but I was working my way through it pretty quickly. And so, um, you know, it was, a, it was a real struggle. I had little bits here, little bits there, but not enough. And then, you know, it got to a point where my husband's like, right, 
I'm giving you a deadline. You've got till, I think it was like August of 20. And plus we were planning, trying to plan a wedding in, in amidst all this oh. kind of, you know, um, disaster. <laughs> and so, so trying to plan to get married and do all this and more money going out the door. And so I'm like, okay, I've got a deadline. He's given me a deadline, which I needed. It was a smart thing to do. Yeah. If I can't get enough business in the door, then I need to just go back to the corporate world and get another full-time job and so be it. Yeah. I tried, but this is the alternative. You know, it's not the end of the world if I have to go back. I can yeah. get a job. I'm smart. I'm capable. Whatever. So um, had my deadline and there was an opportunity that came up on LinkedIn, which my husband actually found and forwarded it to me. And it was a New Zealand company, tech company. They wanted a part-time marketing director. I thought, perfect, that works. So applied, got the job. That got me back into kind of a rhythm. At the same time, another company that I'd been like in contact with, they also went, oh, actually, yeah, we're ready to kind of get some more work going. So then so it was like, yes, I hit the dead. I made, I like literally right on the deadline. Yep. I got the, um, the business in the door. I sort of started this new job. I had this other new client that was coming on. So I'm like, okay, okay, the business keeps going. We've got some momentum. It's okay. <laughs> we made it through. We got married in 19, 2019. Yep. I had work. I had money. We're all, we're all fine. And, then... and, and well, not quite. No, 2019 was fine. We made it. So we got married in March of 2019. Of COVID. <laughs> oh, well, so, so we, we were doing really well and the business actually started just, just doing really, really well for me. In fact, that part-time job with the New Zealand company, I had to give up because I was not earning enough money for the hours I was doing. I had more clients coming in. I'm like, no, 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 I need to say goodbye to that and just keep working on my business and, and working through it. So by the time we got to the end of 2019, things were doing really, really well. I had, you know, really nice mix of clients. I had plenty of work on the books for me. I was, I was doing okay. So I was like really in a good place. We had, Nath um, works for a big tech company. So we were going, he had to go to Chicago at the beginning of 2020 in January for the annual kickoff. I thought, oh, I haven't been to Chicago. Let's go. So I took off over to Chicago with him, still working while I was over there, yep. just doing a lot of sightseeing. And um, as we come back into the country after being over there for, I don't know, about seven, 10 days, we see the staff at Melbourne Airport wearing masks. Like, <laughs> oh, what's going on? Like, oh, there's some kind of really bad flu coming in from China. So that's, you know, we're wearing these because we've got flights coming in. We're like, oh, okay, cool. And then yes, COVID. So it's uh, it, it kind of <laughs> tech companies did a lot better, and, and a lot of you know online businesses have taken off through COVID. So and I was lucky enough to be also one of those companies. So COVID did not hurt me, yep. thankfully. So I went through a lot of pain to come out of it, and my business was always set up as a remote business. This is how I've been operating. For six and a half years, I set it up this way because I didn't want to have an office. I didn't want to have full time employees. I didn't want to have the traveling. I wanted to be as paperless as possible. I wanted to be as flexible as possible with my clients. And being able to keep overheads down is what has enabled my business to thrive and grow. And especially during this time when everything had to be done remotely, 
Yeah. I've been using you Zoom for years. It. I was already doing it. Like mm. this is this is how I've been operating. So when all of a sudden business are like, oh, we need to do something a bit differently and we're, you know, we need to think like differently. The way I do it. <laughs> and that's it. All of a sudden, Vanessa, who's not conventional, who doesn't think the same way that other people like to think, all of a sudden we need somebody who doesn't think the same way as everyone else does. So I have thankfully through 2020 did really, really well, started taking on uh, additional consultants to support work where I had overflow. Um, 2021, again, I think this is also where things have started to get a bit harder. It wasn't just the lockdowns. It was the amount of work I had on my plate. Like work was going insane and there's no stopping. And when you're back to back to back calls, when you're, you know, working till late, you're working weekends, you're not getting a distinguishing kind of factor between work and home life because everything's all blended together. Throw in stepdaughter, homeschooling, um, you know, all these other things, not to mention husband and I decide to set up the distillery business in 2020 just so that we've got something else to focus on. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we we just kind of thought, yeah, let's let's set up a distillery business. Let's do some R&D during 2020. So we did two, we did, we made two gins in 2020. We released in 2021 online and, um, and so, yeah, just all of that just kind of meant we're doing an insane amount of stuff. We're living as best as we can, but I'm, you know, getting worn down, like so worn down, so exhausted. And there's no holidays. There's no breaks. I remember actually last year was last year. Yep. Yeah, our Freedom Day was my 44th birthday. So I was like... <laughs> Oh my God, I'm out on my birthday. We went into town. We had lunch on my birthday. It was the most <laughs> fabulous thing. Like, yay, we're free. Um, but, um, and that's the thing, like business has just been constantly getting busier and busier. I now have about six consultants that work for me, uh, not full-time. I've got one woman who works twice a week, uh, two days a week for me. Um, I'm trying to find somebody else to do another one day a week and I've got other consultants that do various other things so whether you know whatever they specialize in um so whether it be web and graphic design whether it's content writing event management um digital digital strategies that kind of stuff um and uh yeah it's and well there's that and then there's also our gin business and the fact that we have a 20 acre block of land here in Heathcote where we now live um, which we moved out here, decided to rent when we found a property to be closer. So we, with all the building and everything that we're going to be doing, um, we moved here beginning of September um, to relocate to this lovely little town called Heathcote in central Victoria, which is about an hour and 40, 40 minutes away from Melbourne and half an hour from Bendigo, kind of like what you were saying before on the dirt roads. Yeah. We're 100, you know, you go 100 k's an hour for 30 minutes to get to Bendigo or to Kyneton on, you know, B yeah. and C roads. <laughs> at least they're, at least they've got um, asphalt Did on it. you know, like the gym business in there? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have a business called Envy Distilling. We are building a distillery out on our 20-acre block. At the moment, we are building a completely all off-grid, sustainable um, 
um, environment up there. We've uh, just planted three, four weeks ago with the help of some friends and family from Melbourne, a one-acre vineyard. It's This area where we live in is um, Shiraz wine country. It's like if you get Shiraz gin, from anywhere. No, you're right. Gin is the taking off one. Of and that's... And there is no gin. Well, there's you know there's no distillery here in in this area. So that and we love this area. We we've been coming up here for years, which is why we kind of knew this is where we wanted to set ourselves up. Um, and our gin is grape based. So the reason for the vineyard and it's not. We'll also do brandy, but because we're going to be in a in a wine, we are in a wine region. Yeah. The whole point was grape based gin. The wine gin. The wine gin. <laughs> so um, most people do grain. It, some do grape, but it's not as common. Um, and we are now building the distillery door. Well, we will be hopefully starting, you know, in a couple of months. That'll oh, hopefully yeah. be built by and open by Easter. Um, we've done a number of pop-up stalls around the place and selling our stuff and getting known locally and, and around the place. Because it was the um, forgotten spirit. Like it just, everyone had sort of for forgot, years. you know, and then a couple of years ago it had that resurgence. And oh, my God, the huge. And then this, it's the one. That's know? it. Yep. <laughs> so I can't wait. We've got our stills on order out of Portugal. They're on on the ship, on a shipping container on their way over here uh, at the moment. Um and yeah, the whole thing will be completely uh, off grid, run solar power. Um, and are you selling on online? We are selling online. Yes, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we've got the two gins. We've got Sea and Stars, which we named after our old next door neighbours back in Melbourne, who inspired us, because their cafe lime tree was coming over the fence, and that's the forward flavour of that particular gin. They're horticulturalists. They. Um, were amazing, you know, just beautiful neighbours and helped us kind of think about what the flavours were going to be. So it's a cafe lime, lime peel and long pepper gin. Wow. Um, we named it Sea and Stars after them, Maria and Soraya. So Maria kind of aligned it to sea and stars for Soraya, which is the Pleiades star sign, what her name means in Turkish. all very cutting edge Turkish. right now stuff, Vanessa. Very impressed. There you go. <laughs> the, the whole off the grid sustainability. Yeah. Pick the right spirit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very lovely. So yeah. So that's. That. So yeah. So that's where that's where we're at now, and we're um, going to build a house, assuming we can afford it at the moment. The way the world's going. <sighs> Are you going to do a completely sustainable house, like? The- yeah, not not a passive house, but it's um, been designed by uh, an architectural firm that uh, focus on sustainability. So it's looking at, you know, obviously things like the, the way the sun hits, the, the number of windows you have, the, um, the, the outlooks and everything. So they've, yeah. it's all been designed in that way to be as um, uh, efficient as possible. Um, polished concrete floors, um, and all the materials that we use are local sustainable materials as well within the house. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that'll all be powered by solar because um, uh, we're not connecting. We've got That's no my, connected my power to the block. My dream is to have those roof tiles from Tesla that are Oh, roof really? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So the distillery oh. shed will have all the solar panels and we'll run that up to the house and if we need to extend it at any point, we can always put panels on the house as well but um yeah it's all being 
built in that way. We've got a worm farm septic that's already in the ground. Um, the uh, we've got llamas. We've got. Oh, um, I just want to move to the country just to have llamas. <laughs> Because they also have a really light footprint on the earth. So camelids don't wreck up like cows and sheep do. Um, They're not as volatile as goats. Um, And so we've got, they've got 10 acres. They've got the bottom 10 acres Uh, at the moment. We could probably get, you know, up to about 10 llamas or more. But we've got two full-bred llamas and two half llama, half alpacas, which we're calling alpamas. Um, And uh, we we plan to breed the two full llamas. Um, so we've got more llamas to sort of have along the way. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you breed the too long. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we've got some chickens and we've got bees and, um, wow. yeah, so Very we've gone cool. from, yeah, we, we still maintain our corporate lives but yeah. we're kind of turned into kind of country people where we're not alone out here. Like Keithgate has always been mm-hmm. a very old town lot of an aging population but it's getting an injection of people in their kind of 30s and 40s and younger families now coming out here yeah so it's um getting a bit more life to it and yeah. that's a trend we want to yeah happy yeah. yes and covid just accelerated it didn't it people the city's so expensive and now oh. you can do a tech job remotely you don't yeah so that's it I thought it was really so, funny yeah. when all these companies went back and they had the lift and the, it used to function that 25 people would squeeze into that lift to all get up to that floor, by, you know, and now we can only go five at a time. Just I know. everyone could get on time to work, even if they made it to the foyer. And I, um, I love just, it how there's, there's that awkwardness now when you get to those lifts where yes, if, I, you know, a group of people get in and you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll wait for the next one. <laughs> And it's, it's that worry, isn't it? It's not just about me, but it's like, will they feel uncomfortable if I get in as well? That whole thing. That's I've, it. There's been occasions where I've gotten in a lift because I really need to get to an appointment and someone else has gotten out. And obviously oh. that did make them uncomfortable. And so it's these whole new concerns. And I think oh. sneezing or coughing in public is now more Huge. socially unacceptable yeah. than vomiting. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd rather. That's it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Totally. The world's so different, isn't it? It is. It is. So I, I just, I, I, you know, I, I don't know if we'll ever go back to the way the world was beforehand. I'd like to. I feel in one way we've kind of isolated ourselves and we've become a little bit more hermit-like, and COVID has done that because you've got so used to just keeping to yourself. But I miss my friends, and I used to go up almost every six weeks to Sydney to see friends and family. And I, you know, I do double it with work. Like I used pre-COVID, that's what I always used to do. And then it's just not been possible for the last few years. Um, And to be honest, I don't miss the travel. I really don't. Neither does my husband. He used to travel a lot. And it's now something that, you know, if we don't have to go into the city or if we don't have to get on a flight, um, he had to fly to Singapore a few months ago and he was like oh this was horrible and he has to go again shortly Mm -hmm. um friends of mine uh who originally from the UK um used to you know live in Melbourne moved a bit further out now live on the Sunshine Coast uh she went back to the UK recently and she just went oh my god I never want to do this again I that long-haul flight it's just horrible it's not comfortable it's the whole yeah. experience with flying though has totally changed though it's just not 
it's not as pleasant as it used to be or it used to I don't know there was a there was an excitement and a fun and a joy to it but yeah not now anymore I'm just worried about getting a blood clot and yes <laughs> yes like, like I'm old I'm like oh I'm only to stretch my legs every half an hour I'm up doing my <gasps> sit the hell down you're annoying <laughs> yeah that's it yeah. so I don't I'm I'm happy not to be doing all that travel anymore and I'm I want to explore where we are now. I want to, you know, I want to enjoy this new town we've moved to. I want to get to know it in the surrounding areas. Um, I, I don't know. I I want to take a different path. I want to start slowing things down. You know, both my husband and I, we, we have a plan that the distillery is our pseudo retirement plan. And, and we, we want to keep doing the corporate jobs. We need to keep doing our corporate jobs to to fund what we're doing. We can't do it otherwise. But the the plan is to, you know, I, in five years, yeah. I want to be consulting maybe three days a week. That's it. Yeah. I don't want to. Do, I don't want the business to be in its current incarnation. Um, I want to be able to kind of turn around and and kind of go okay. I'm done. I don't need to keep building it up. I just want it to be me, bring it back to just me and consult three days a week and do our distillery stuff and be, you know, because once the distillery is open, I mean, yeah, we can choose what weekends, what holidays we want to have it active and and available to the public. But, you know, we're going to still be using it as a a distillery. We're going to have to produce new products. We, you know, you can't just, you know, the two products we have, they're fine. We can keep doing those. But you know, I've got plans of some getting um, involved with the local Indigenous community and talking to them about doing an Ladies. annual, uh, yeah, an annual expression with Native botanicals and getting them to so help right with now. the creative and the artwork around it and, and all that and kind can of I stuff. Add, I think what's also happening right now in that industry, you probably already know, but the alcohol-free, if you can find a way to remove it and have an alcohol-free gin. Do you know that's really quite a hard thing to do? It's actually, it actually is, uh, yeah, getting that, yeah. that alcohol out without putting it, some disgusting solvent in it, <laughs> <laughs> which and, ruins the flavor. Which, which in some ways kind of doesn't quite work for what we're trying to achieve because it's we are in a wine region, so the the whole point is to also reuse products from other wineries around town, and we've already made some really good relationships with a number of them to purchase their wine or their um, uh, musk or their, their sort of their, um, oh, yeah. Musk. So, oh, I love musk. Such so, a great, you either love it or you don't. It's like coriander. That's <laughs> it. That yeah, yeah, yeah. So but you've I've got, seen, so, I've seen there's an Indigenous company making alcohol-free beers with Indigenous awesome. ingredients like, you know, natural, you know, I, I don't even know yeah. the name, but you know what I mean, like bottle brush or something, you know, like it's in there and, yeah. and all these flavours and they're, they're really that company took, took off like it was a little tiny startup and it was it's just really oh, 10 it, years ago you wouldn't have even thought that stuff would sell oh, you know totally and I, I think it's it's been such a, a revolution to kind of come out with and I've tried a number of alcohol-free beers and I also because I'm celiac I have to do like the gluten-free beers no from Yes. <laughs> I know so, what it did to the intestines. Like that was the part oh, that fascinated me the most. The little microvilli all go flat and you're all, yeah, it's, it's why you're always hungry. And But it was something that didn't actually come about until a few years ago. It, it's oh, been yeah. lying dormant in me and then, you know, turn 40, hormones change, all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden I'm like, what is wrong? Something is just, 
it's like gone off the charts. Stuff I used to be able to eat, can't eat. It's also part FODMAP, so it's not just celiac. I'm also part FODMAP, so onion and garlic and various other things like, you know, react to me. Um, yeah, it's it's there's a whole bunch of stuff, which it's now it's like, oh, seriously, this is the time of my life when I should be living it up and enjoying it and it's kind of but gone the other way. You, and... My definition has changed because, like, yes. I want to feel good. And if yes. I ate the way I ate in my 20s, I would, it would take me a week to recover, you oh, know, like totally. I used to have a coupler, you know, when I get, I get whoppers with cheese oh and my a bowl of bourbon, you know, oh. Oh, like, <laughs> uh, you know, honestly, it would take me a week to be more you know? Oh, I just, totally. And I, and I naturally sort of have, t- my diet has just evolved and evolved and evolved and evolved into this ridiculous whole foods, plant-based, you know, I, I don't, I realised when we went to the doctor that. I could be gluten intolerant. I don't eat gluten just because I don't anymore, but not because I. And so he was like, is there a family history? Like, well, my grandmother had it. And when I eat those foods, I do feel bad. And I was, you know, like, and I was sort of thinking, I probably am too. It probably goes all the way through, you know. Yeah. And I think it's, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah, my definition of fun in my 20s was very different, you know. Oh, God, yeah. Let's turn it up. Let's finish the night with a kebab. Let's, you know, I think, oh. Goodness, you couldn't pay me to do that to myself today. <laughs> no, no, I couldn't. I can't do it to Too myself. And you're right. It's I'd rather feel good and healthy in myself than put myself through that pain. On the odd occasion, though, there are those days where I go, oh, just screw it. It looks so good. And But then it's about, okay. you know, you, you know, as opposed to eating a whole pizza, you have maybe a slice of pizza and you go, okay, and, and, you know, maybe you don't eat the crust, you just eat the base with the, the topping bit on it just so that you've had a bit of pizza because, to be honest, a gluten-free pizza base is pretty shit. So I've yet to try the, one. I'm going to do it this week. Oh, <laughs> believe me. And coupled it's, it's, with our non-dairy, like it's going to be a pretty weird oh, pizza. I don't know what but there's so much good non-dairy these days, That's though. That's what I reckon. And, like, my daughter, she's been non-dairy her whole life. Like she mm-hmm. was breast milk and onto plant-based foods. So she, you give her dairy, and she goes, oh, blah, blah. it's like, <laughs> it's quite funny because I let people give things. I don't, you know, if someone offers her something and she says yes, I just, but she spits it out. It's disgusting to her. And wow. I thought, wow. Like she's like a little, okay, case, you know, data set of one, but a little study in how that it is sort of the fact that I ate it when I was young that makes me think, oh, cheese is delicious because it makes yep. me gassy. It makes me bloated. It makes me feel sick. <laughs> like, I love the taste of it and I miss it so much. And then I see her have it and go, oh, this is disgusting. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, like if I milked the dog and made something, I'd be thinking it's disgusting too. I just got conditioned into thinking that the cow breast milk is tasty and I can't lose that conditioning and I watch her and think oh you know yeah I wish I could I don't know I could get ethics approval to take a hundred children and but um yeah it's weird and it does the same with eggs if she smells any eggs cooking she'll go oh what that's disgusting so that was me for years I couldn't eat eggs but that was also because of my high cholesterol which is hereditary through my mother's side of the family and so I've been on cholesterol meds since I was 20. Yeah, and my grandmother had that because we forget we're animals and animals make well, cholesterol. For, for that's it. So my body just naturally has those higher levels. So I've not statin. I don't take a statin because it um, affects my muscles. It doesn't, I can't just take them. Yeah. So I've been taking um, some other medication for over 20, nearly 20, what, 25 years now. And yeah. it keeps it stable. 
but that was part of it, you know, back in the day. It was like, don't eat avocado, don't eat eggs, don't eat, you know, well, all these actually, products. Well, avocado's okay because remember how there's the two types, yeah. Yes, H-D-L. that's it. Yeah. And the LDL and yeah, 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 yeah. So, and I love avocado. So um, I'm happy on the avocado front. But then because I stopped eating eggs for so many years, and then when I was dating and I'd go out for brunch and, you know, yeah. what do you have? You have eggs. And so I'd be like, mm, I want to try. I want to see if I can. Like I, I like yeah. eggs, but I always was like, well, they just have this massive effect on me now because I haven't eaten them in so many years. Yeah. And so I'd go out. So Nathan and I'd be going out on dates and we'd go have brunch and I'd order, you know, coffee and, and it, you know, like an eggs Benny or something. And 30 minutes later, and I need a bathroom, like be time. Like I'm, yeah. I'm in trouble, major yeah. trouble. So we've learned there's, there's a combination, there's a level at which I'm okay. And then there's a yeah. level at which I'm not okay. And I think also um, when I was exercising a lot a number of years ago and they were very strict on the diet that we had, and it was a very high protein diet and they were very big on the whole egg front, I slowly kind of started to look at making frittatas and various other things so that I could um, kind of just get used to introducing eggs more regularly back into my diet. Yeah. So I'm a bit better these days, but I'm kind of like a, a one egg person still, maybe yeah. two. Like I can't, like it, And I want to know where the, the chicken lives and I want to know they're okay. So we, we only <laughs> eat our own, we only, own eat ch- we only have our uh, eggs now from our own chooks and it's so, a, I so love awesome. it because I get the, the it's all linked now in my head yep. I've got a I, friend who's got chickens in his backyard and he gave me like a you know a whole lot of eggs and I ended up giving them mostly to yeah my family because I just yeah I can't really I know the chickens that many. Life, but I just yeah I can't it's just I've changed so much it's just, yeah it's weird it's weird and when I was younger if you told me that you're in 20 years you're going to be someone who drinks herbal tea and eats nuts <laughs> I just would have gone Bleh. You know, like, like, oh, you know, kill me now. Oh, if someone had said, Vanessa, you're going to live in a weatherboard house with a white picket fence, I would have gone, yeah, oh, right. Yeah. That's what we left. That's what we left in Melbourne, a weatherboard house with a white picket fence to, to move to the, and then to move to the country. So, so yeah. Weird, isn't it? But I like I this stage of life. I, I like it. I think it's, I don't think it's, I think we're kind of at the top of the hill here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh. I, I do like it. I feel... I feel like there's a, a level of calmness in one way, but at the same time, Nathan and I are our own worst enemy. Like we we don't stop. We keep yeah. pushing. We have dreams. We've only been together for, what, seven, nearly eight years. And in that time, his daughter um, was part of that relationship from the very beginning. And she was yeah. 10 years old at that point. She's now almost 18 and she lived with us 50, 60% of the time for, you know, from that very beginning point. And that was the, that's been our relationship. My relationship with my husband was not just with him, it was with her as well. And you got the teen years. Yay. I did. I did get oh. the ten. I did. She was. She was good. She was well. The beginning was more about me. It was me and my frustrations because I don't 
tolerate. You done kids I, just, before. I didn't want to do kids. I'm not a kid person. <laughs> My father wanted me to go into teaching. I'm like, Dad, I can't deal with students. I can't deal with kids. Time, yeah, I've same. not a chance. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, no, teaching is not for me. But then, you know, I wanted to be with Nath and that was that was part of the deal. It was yeah. that was the way it went. So she was part of, you know, she lived with us and um, I had to change my attitude and way yeah. of thinking because, you know, she'd do stuff, but she's a kid. She doesn't yeah. know any better. And I had to just realise that if I've got a problem with it, that's me. It's yeah. not her. She's not actually doing anything wrong. I'm just being a bitch. So <laughs> I it's actually good though when you realise the problem's in you because then it goes into that circle you're talking about about something you can do something about. That's it. So, and that was it. And it took me probably a while. Plus the ex-wife was a bit of a pain in the ass for the first year as well. So it didn't didn't yeah. help things. But when I kind of realised that it's about me and my attitude and how I want things to work. And if I want us to have a, a home that's non, you know, without conflict, you know, as pleasant as it can be, then that's where I need to work on that to make it a livable experience for all of us and take an interest in her, in her friends and her interests and all that kind of stuff and get to know her as opposed to here's somebody that lives in my house that just annoys me. So um, we got there. We kind of, we did get to a point where, things were good. And even through all the COVID madness, you know, you're really confined at that point. And she was doing year 10 and 11 through, yeah, year 10 was 2020, year 11 was 2021. So She just had her HSC. No. In the last couple of months. Oh, okay, she left. Yeah, my son left too. Beginning of this year. Yeah. 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 She's... So she, it was a little bit more than that, but yeah, she, so yeah, so, but she survived. She survived the COVID and we all survived actually relatively unscathed as a, as a, as a family in that sense. Um, but then, yeah, we got to the beginning of this year and uh, one conversation didn't go down so well with her and she just took off one night and didn't know she took off, turned off location services, husband didn't know where she was. Finally, the ex-wife gets in touch, and you know, she's okay. I'll she's let it safe. Get out good. for you because I, I just, I just will. But because I just want to share my son, I wish he'd take off. Right? I've oh. got a nineteen-year-old, nearly twenty, living in the centre of my house. In the oh, it would, well, it would be a movie room if it wasn't taken over by him. Yep. And he has his girlfriend here all the time. And he treats it no. like the apartment, you know. Oh Thank God. God the house has internal insulation. So I, yeah. you know, that's the one way I can manage it. But, you know, if he ever says to me, you know, Mom, I'm ready to move out, inside there's going to be a little... <laughs> on the outside I'll go, well, I'll be sorry to see you go, son. <laughs> but really, come on, I'm so done. Parenting oh. that one. So yeah, it is. It's a, it's an interesting experience, and I think you know, I'm 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 liking the way it is now. I've got Nate to myself, and we get to have the life like you know when you know the kind of status quo of you meet somebody, you get to spend time just the two of you before the family or whatever you know whatever what other things come into your life. That's you know you have that time 
to yourselves to get to really know bond. each other and, and bond yeah. and do all those things. So, no, we didn't really have that. We were together within six months. We bought a property together, which we thought we'd live in, but it was in the ta- part of town where I was living in Paran, Windsor, but my husband was living in the western suburbs, but that was also closer to the ex-wife and, and where Beth was going to school at the time. Schools and, yeah. Yep. So it was like, well, it doesn't make sense for us to have our own rentals, have this apartment that we've now bought and still, you know, kind of living apart, you know, all that money going out the door. So let's move in. So within six months of us being together, I moved in with him. And so that was with him and with the daughter and in a different part of Melbourne that I had to take, again, took a year to get used to and being around. But yeah, so it's been, it was, it was that for nearly eight years. And now it's just us and, oh, and the doggy. I do fur babies. I love my fur babies. So I've got my Marvin. I had Olive. My parents stole her from me. (laughs) <laughs> she 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 was my, she's my beautiful cavoodle that when I moved to Melbourne mum was like oh we'll take care of her while you get yourself set up when you know get yourself established and allowed to have a pet and all that kind of jazz and then you know I'd get visitation rights <laughs> over subsequent <laughs> years to see my dog again. <laughs> and then I'd be like well I really want Olive back with me and it got oh. to the point where I went to mum um can I have Olive back like I really she's my dog didn't talk to me for two weeks yep didn't talk to me for two weeks thought I was a I was such a nasty cow for asking to have my dog back and anyway in the end she's she's turned into their dog she's very much their dog now and um they look after her they they do such a great job with her but I needed a new fur baby so three years ago we got Marvin and he's my he's my little dude he's a little Maltese toy poodle and he's just lovely but um yeah, cute. so I like I our little family little unit. Kid. I remember my parents buying me Maltese for my eighth birthday and he, he was only a puppy Aww. at the time. So he was literally, you know, the so side of my two hands. And he was at the bottom of the stairs and I was scared of him. And I was like, Aww. I would come down the stairs I'm like this dog. It's terrifying. It's like the size of a toy you could put in your pocket, you know. Aww. Oh, wow. I, was, I thought I was a tough kid, but one little Maltese <laughs> puppy later. <laughs> she wants me to come downstairs. Oh, but anyway, yes. oh, well, all the way up to t- today, that's 27 years of your life. Holy crap. 27. I'm going to feel yes. quite weird recording this next year when it's 28 years because John <laughs> called it the last 27 years. And, uh, and can you believe it's only three years till the 30th reunion? Seriously? Yeah. Oh, my God. Isn't that insane? I think it's going to be a good one because I think the 15-year, like everyone who went to it was pretty anxious and around like what's everyone else accomplished compared to what I've accomplished and you know like just that everyone's 32 and you're you're 33 and you're sort of like you know and some people would you know feeling quite comfortable and everyone else wasn't and then there was that 20 year that was pretty much a bit of a booze up (laughs) which I never made it to I really wanted to go and I think it clashed with something that I had to do work-wise and I wasn't able to make it in the end I didn't make it to that one either and then there's gonna be the 30 which I think would be awesome well, hopefully no one everyone gets anymore. together. If you know what yeah. I mean in that sense, like everyone's just sort of settled into who they are and I think, I hope and I think, but most all that sort of, I know I'm not going to feel the same as I felt at 32. I was ter- like terribly, you know, anxious and worried, you know. And 
Oh, yeah, just, yeah, you oh. do. You wonder, you, you do worry about those. I don't know, it's silly, isn't it? it, is and, it is. Yeah, I remember looking at someone had an engage, huge engagement ring on and I was like, oh, you know, I'm not, do you know what? I, oh, God, actually, I'm, I'm totally going to edit this out. But do you know what I did after that? It got into my head, you know, I have to get, I have to get engaged because I'm 32 and I'm, you know, like I, I have to get that happening in my life. Wow. Like, but I don't want to really be married to anyone. I don't know anyone that I want to marry but I'm so sick of putting single on the census. So I'm, I need to get divorced. That's what I need. So I need to go through a marriage and get divorced. So I want to find someone that I'm going to marry and divorce. And I literally tried to put that into action within the next 12 months after that. Wow. That oh is God. insanity. When I think that, that is <laughs> insane. And me and this guy, this, like, I'm just trying to get to the wedding so I can get to the divorce so I can click divorced on it. What the hell? Like, I look back on that relationship, I just feel like sending a sorry note. <laughs> like, oh my like, god, that's what hilarious! A terrible reason to be in a relationship. Oh yes. Oh, I was well, the other day, I think in no, the no, future, our thoughts could might be on a screen, and we'll be able to turn them on and off, you know. And the police will be able to review our thoughts, you know. There's um, a movie like that. There's a movie there? out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we're all the men, and their all their thoughts are like. Heard by everybody, and you can put it and on stop. Like you can, you can choose whether. No, they couldn't turn it off. But they can't. They even couldn't move turn. It. Okay. No. My no. idea of the future, I think this is really going to happen. It's going to be like that, and all our thoughts will be. We'll be able to choose whether we want to turn them on or off, and they'll be able to be reviewed and they'll be recorded whether it's on or off public. Um, and I thought we have social media. Have my thoughts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been hilarious. It's I, just I the think... stupidest idea of the century to me now. But at the time, I thought it was, yeah, really smart. And it all came about from seeing someone's huge bloody engagement ring at that <gasps> reunion. So that I have to, I, in 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 that vein though, I remember getting, in, you know, being in my thirties, and you know, I had my apartment in Paddington. Well, I still have the apartment in Paddington. It's rented out, but it's um, but it's the. That whole, I don't, I haven't had gotten married. I haven't had the, you know, the wedding gifts and the registry. I've gotten to this point, you know, I'm now in my 30s and I've got my own property and I've got my own life and job and I've got my dog. And when do I get to have the the gift time that, you know, couples would get for their setting up the home and all that kind of stuff? I'm like, I didn't, you know, I didn't get any of that. And then, you know, not having kids, well, there's no baby shower and no none of these other kind of things to celebrate. And so it's like, oh, well, what about single childless people? Who... Just bear in mind I've had two children and no baby showers. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> oh, God, but, you don't always but, get but, the gift. No, no, no. But, I mean, what, but what do you do? What do you get yeah. to, to kind of as a celebratory type of, scenario so yeah. I think you know when I got to 35 I'm like I'm just gonna party it hard and and have some good time but I did think about can I can I do like a registry and go well I'd like these are some gifts I'd really like like oh, you yes. know you can chip in and, and <laughs> but it would never fly it would never fly I, that was it's a just... sex in the city episode I think was and it they had, yes like it was Carrie would it because she yeah she wanted to have yeah and then someone's or, or somebody no that's right somebody else did it just a party for themselves because they'd never had kids and everything and she went and someone stole her Louis Vuitton shoes and she was really upset that somebody stole her shoes at this party and you know, anyway, I can't yeah everything's done isn't it but ideas wise but anyway well I think you've done pretty good for yourself personally <laughs> thank you and I think the theme though that runs through all of us is this like, no, I haven't run into anyone who talks about enjoying 
relaxation and just watching Netflix and, you know, like chilling out. <laughs> Everyone has to struggle to intentionally learn how to relax. I think the hard True. working and the thinking of new ideas and going forth and making things happen comes naturally to us. The relaxation is something, you know. So that's what the seizure actually did to me. That put so much into perspective and made me realise that I need to stop and smell the roses and take time out for me. And, yes, you know, still push hard, still keep dreaming, still keep believing that there's more out there, you can do more, achieve more. Like I don't want to stop doing that. I don't want to suddenly kind of lose purpose and and direction. And I want to keep achieving things. But at the same time, and this is something that I keep saying to my husband, is we need to, we've worked so hard, like, Again, there's been no break. Not that children's a break. I don't want to say that, but oh. you, there's no, there's none. I've not had that um, stopping of work, for example, it's worse to take than time work. out. <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> which is work why I haven't gone the break, there. Right. <laughs> which is why I haven't wanted to go there. So, but there's no, <laughs> there's no, there's no, um, there's been no stopping, and so yeah. I'm like, well, now we need to appreciate what we have achieved at this point. And, you know, yes, we've got a five-year plan of where we both see ourselves in that five years, but I want to start relaxing and enjoying and appreciating what we've got now and not keep testing ourselves and worrying about the financial situations that we're in and, and all this other kind of stuff. I want us, like I keep saying, if we don't do it this year, that's fine. We don't have to. Yes, some things might have a time constraint on it, but ultimately we don't have to do everything here and now. Let's take that time. It's not going to run away from us. We still get it done and enjoy it. So we're making the, you know, say, do we need to put vine vine guards on the new vines this weekend? No, we don't. They're fine. They'll last another week. If we don't do it this week, it's still there next week. We can go back. We can do it then. Let's take a weekend for us to chill and relax and just take that time. We work hard during the week. Let's make use of the time that we get off and and start to be more proactive in that way. And And I think, yeah, I've I've had to learn it too. And I found it in yoga, in yin yoga. Lovely. Oh, I love yin yoga. I hear the teacher in my head sometimes. It was really a struggle for me in the beginning. But she'll go, how can you do less right now? <laughs> just love it. I'm already like holding over a bolster and like completely floppy. How can you? And I hear it in my head sometimes because I'm doing a million things. And, you know, I feel like, you know, my sick parents and special needs kids and just oh, I'm on my own and I'm running, trying to run business and doing this podcast. And I'm like, I'm this same insane person. But I go for the hour. And in that hour, how can I do less? Yeah. And then I'm back to the hospital to pick up the dirty clothes from my mother. And, blah, blah, blah. and I showing you sort of like, but that time, I think, because there's no, yeah, there's no two weeks. There's no month coming up. There's no year no. coming up for me. There's not even a weekend. Coming up. No. I went and had a bloody another child at 38. Oh, my God. And I didn't find out I was pregnant till 32 weeks. So there were no <gasps> choices. <laughs> Seriously? Was oh. here, you know, could have been born that minute and would have survived. Insane story with that. Just a Jeez. really bad doctor, basically. Um but, you know, so now I'm not going to be done parenting until, you know, to have two adults until I'm 56. Oh, so there's geez. no breaks coming. So I need to take an hour here and an hour there. 
you know that's just, it yeah see I I'm, I'm amazed at all the friends who have who also chose to have kids a lot later and it was something that in my own head I knew wasn't going to happen I knew that once I got close to 40 if it hadn't happened so be it whatever I was it because it was never something I was desperate to do but I knew that the one thing I didn't want was to be 40 starting a family and being 50 with a 10 year old like that idea was like what the fuck I don't want that it's gonna suck bad because I already don't have the energy right she's (laughs) already got like you know she's nearly she's six on Monday Wow. Arguments every day over the same things. I'm already over it. I'm too old for this crap, you know? And I realise it's only going to get worse because she's only six. It's going to be like in 10 years I'm just going to, oh, wow. But don't you have other friends same age with children the same age? So you can go yes, through it together? Yes, most of them are partnered. You see, my oh. children, I had one at 24 with a relationship that didn't last and one at 38 didn't even know I got pregnant. Said, so, you know, that's insane. Did, that wasn't a real, even a relationship. That was just a night. Yeah, didn't right. know I was pregnant. Did a couple of pregnancy tests because I was sick. Came up negative. Went to the doctor. Got a bad doctor who said those tests Jeez. would have been positive if you're pregnant. So you're not pregnant. We need to think outside the box. Oh, didn't want to do another kind of test or anything. And I was so sick. I had a lot of complications, so I was really, really sick, like swollen feet. I couldn't walk. Um, I was projectile vomiting. I had itchiness all over the place. Like I really – I had all these weird complications, so it didn't feel like the first pregnancy, which was a complication-free pregnancy with just a – you know, it was weird. And so I just didn't know. I was so sick, and I'd been sick the year before with something else, so it sort of bled into it. And and um and then when and science having science degrees didn't help me because I was able to think of other things that would be and research yeah. other ways that these symptoms could be showing up and I came up with a teratoma that was releasing hormones and that and this and and then he's saying to me well that could be what it is well and you know but we'll wait a while he sent me for bariatric surgery because I was gaining wow. weight that's how bad this doctor was. Um, he was saying he was prescribing me all this medication um, for the symptoms. And he goes, we just need to treat the symptoms. We may never have a diagnosis. Um, then then I started to get depressed. So then he started giving me meds for depression and um, meds for anxiety. And the meds for anxiety were stopping the, any movement in the baby. So there was no movement. <laughs> so like, but like, oh, it was bad, you know. And then, wow. um, yeah. So I find out, I finally go to another doctor because I just can't take this idiot. Oh, no, that's right. He gave me an upper and lower GI scan. Go and Mm. test out your teratoma theory. And I lay down in the radiographer's room and she goes, oh, you should have booked it in. I don't have time to do a pregnancy scan. And I went to say it's not a pregnancy scan, but suddenly all the pieces of the puzzle just fell into place, you know, because I'm lying there on my back with this huge belly and, and I just went, oh, my God oh my God, like, oh, I know now, I know what it is. That's what I just got up, left, went to, went crying to my mum who sent me to her doctor. So that was the other doctor. And she just laid me down, did a bit of a touch. She goes up, yeah, I'm, I'm going to send you for a blood test, but I'm 99.9% sure yes. that you're pregnant. And I was so devastated because of all, like, I'm thinking I'm going to have this child who's damaged and, and oh, you know, causing yeah. deformities because of all this medication. And my grandmother died. I got drunk on Grand Marnier. Like, oh, I did geez. every single thing that you shouldn't do in a pregnancy in that pregnancy. And I was thinking this child, you know, I'm going to have this child with, you know, yeah, 10 fingers and three heads and I, I'm going to be, you know. 
oh, and I don't have a choice in it. And they couldn't tell me the sex. She's too far along. And oh wow, like, oh my god, we can't even tell. Yeah, we, there's no point. And genetic testing would take longer than eight weeks to come back, so you can't even find out if there's anything wrong. Just uh, do your best for the next eight weeks. And and wow. uh, give birth and um you know I rang the idiot who I'd had you know that and um said you know <clears throat> remember seven months ago <laughs> well <Wow. laughs> so you know oh has he ever been around no wow so I've got two kids whose fathers are not in their lives oh which is you know very difficult to do it all yeah. on your own and make the money on your own mm-hmm. and have your own things going on your own and yeah cool. so I get the no break, but I, and I get that I've done it to myself. The first one was the hormones hit. I got the big surge of hormones at 23. I want a baby. I want a baby. I want a baby. Oh, wow. But with no insight into the reality <laughs> of having a child, right? So I just got all obsessed with getting pregnant. I um, mean, I loved the pregnancy. I was all happy and glowing. And, you know, I'm 24 and I give birth this baby and reality hit just like a brick wall you know and I was like I can't wow. do this I, 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 I can't do this I, I can't I'm like I bought I bought you know <laughs> brand new baby and I just couldn't cope and wow it was awful my parents had to step in and like you know I didn't want my parents in my life or they had to help me because I just wasn't coping and I had postnatal depression and that one was just chaotic and I'm like that's it never having another child made that wasn't good that wasn't the right thing to do for me uh, you know oh. he got to 13 he's in high school and so I find out you're 32 weeks pregnant and I'm like oh seriously universe what are you doing to me <laughs> wow wow but, um, oh but my yeah. god the, I was talking Insane. about someone else it's like sometimes I think these things are gifts wrapped in shit because they happen <laughs> <laughs> it just feels like absolute <laughs> shit has just happened but later on I look back and go actually that happened for my best interests but it didn't feel that way. In, in I, I agree. I agree. There's been those shit. There, there is. There's gifts wrapped in shit that, you know, you've got to you got to just roll with it. Find and in the, the end, gift. you know what? You find the gift. And I, yeah. and I have to admit, as much as I am glad to not have, to not be the parental person anymore in that sense, I don't have to be, I, I learnt an awful lot throughout yeah. those years and yeah. tested my patience, tested, taught me, a, you know, a lot about myself again, even yeah. more about myself. Because it's when they're mirroring um, you that they are, piss you off the most. <laughs> and, you, yeah, and the resilience, the kind of, I don't know, there's, yeah, there's just a lot that it's taught me and how it's changed the way that I approach some people as well and, and how I deal with other people. Mm. Um, and... I guess part of that also, no, it was always in me beforehand because I I mentor people, I nurture people. I, I find it easy to do it with people who want to grow and learn and, and, and take things on and that kind of thing. And, I, and I've, I've worked with, I've had some beautiful people work for me who've gone on to do some absolutely incredible, amazing things, gone into amazing jobs, and I'm super, super proud of them. And I love that kind of transition and that growth in people. Yeah, um, and being a part of it, and being a part of that, absolutely. And you know, I, you know, the volunteering stuff that I've done over the years, and 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 that kind of stuff, where I have a bit of an impact, and and I, I know that I'm doing some good there. But it, yeah, in one way, you kind of see that I did have an, a positive impact on her in a certain way. Yeah, I hope to a is. point. 
It's you've had yeah. some influence. I feel like I had zero control, but a small amount of influence. That's it. So that's yeah. about it. It's about it with a yeah. I love the people who think they can control their children. Ah, oh yeah, these <laughs> my parents. It's <laughs> having a little giggle on the inside. <laughs> I didn't know Vanessa could talk that much but you know what it was fascinating and I really enjoyed it so thank you so much Vanessa.